Hello there, how are you doing? And welcome to the Travel Now podcast. If you're looking for inspiration for your next adventure, for money-saving ways to book or ideas to get the most out of your time away, this is the podcast for you. Hello, thank you for stopping by. As ever, it's amazing to be able to share these things with you. My name is Luke, Luke Richardson. I'm a thriller author and I have to confess, a total travel addict. Now in this podcast, I'm bringing you stories from my travels, interviews with people who've been to places I want to go, and there are loads of them, and live episodes from the road. Today, I'm talking with Sam from the Alternative Travellers podcast on the topic of mindful travel. Sam, along with her co-host Viren, is the voice behind two podcasts, so she's one-upped me on that one. Firstly, the Alternative Travellers podcast, which is a conversation about how to travel in a sustainable way, and the House Sitting podcast, in which she interviews people who use house-sitting to cheaply extend their stays. Funnily enough, as I record this, I'm house-sitting in Guildford, which is a city in the south of England. Whilst 2021 has still not involved any overseas travel for me, I'm at least trying my best to make the most of my home country. I've got a few days here, then I'm going down to Bristol um, and I'll enjoy that seeing a new place. I'm in fact going to do a podcast episode from there. And I do intend to do one about travelling locally, about um, sort of exploring your home country and places close to home, because that seems to be something that I've done through, not really through design, and it's just sort of ended up that way, but I am enjoying it. <laughs> now, whilst we'll all agree that travel is one of the most beautiful, transformative and educational things that life can offer, I don't think you have to look far to see the sort of darker side of that, to see the bad side of that. That could be something like multinational hotels paying their staff a pittance, local people struggling for housing because city centres are full of hotels, the best resources, food, etc. being used for tourists, or even something like pollution caused by air travel or whatever it might be. But I don't want us to be disheartened by that. And I don't want this episode of the podcast to be disheartening and make you think, oh, I should just stay at home instead. No, 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 that's not the idea here. What we're talking about here is how the everyday traveller, someone with just a short time away to enjoy a place, can reduce the negative impact on the destination, of course, that's something we want to do. Support flourishing communities, of course, that's something we want to do. But here's the killer, here's the key one, here's the, here's the most important one, and have a unique and inspiring travel experience. That makes it win-win-win. So we're not just saying here, you know, you're going to travel more mindfully, but it's going to be a bit less exciting. You know, it's going to be a bit rubbish. You're going to have to spend loads of time waiting in the rain for a bus. No, <laughs> what we're saying is you're going to do these really positive things and have a different and interesting and exciting travel experience that's richer and more vibrant and definitely more interesting than perhaps you would have anyway. So it's a win-win-win in my, in my book anyway. I enjoyed this conversation because all too often, as I said, these topics can seem very depressing. You can sort of literally see people switching off, as they're mentioned. You know, they seem too big to, to comprehend. And you just want a holiday. You just want to chill out on the beach. And why shouldn't you? You, that you're, you're, you should be able to do that. But Sam doesn't make it feel that way. I've loved talking to her because she doesn't make it feel that way. And I'm definitely going to consider some of these things when planning my future adventures for sure. 
Let's listen in. This podcast is sponsored by Bucketlist. Now, if you love the ideas that we're going to discuss in this episode, then why not use Bucketlist to find experiences run by the communities at your destination? These could be walking tours, restaurant recommendations, or even homestays. And of course, when you get around to booking that trip, you can enjoy exclusive discounts. What's not to like? Sam, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Travel Now podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It is brilliant to be able to have this conversation. I'm a big fan of your podcast as well. I've listened to a fair few episodes and you talk about all sorts of different sort of travel issues, don't you? All over the sort of travel spectrum. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple podcasts, the Alternative Travelers podcast and the House Sitting Travel podcast. But Alternative Travelers, since we're going to be talking about sustainable travel um, today, the Alternative Travelers podcast is about about that kind of just like trying to look at travel in a more mindful way, just like thinking about all the different aspects that go into travel and how can you be a more, I guess, responsible, mindful traveler. So yeah, we kind of do episodes on all different kinds of topics related to that, like from everything um, from, yeah, how you get there, traveling around, slow travel, like all these different kinds of things that I know you've had some episodes on similar stuff as well. So yeah, absolutely. I'm sort of wondering about how how to even begin approaching a topic like sustainable travel because it is you know it is a very broad thing isn't it and actually where do you start if i'm looking to go on a trip and i want to be more mindful about the environment generally and the place that i'm going to where's the first port of call what's the first thing i'd sort of consider or or think about in planning such a such a trip Yeah, that's a good question, actually, because it kind of all intermingles with each other, like sustainable. There's a lot of words that are thrown around, like sustainable travel, responsible travel, ethical travel. They're all kind of like more or less the same, but it's kind of touching on three. Everything is kind of talking about three aspects of, I mean, sustainability in general is talking about three aspects, like the the environmental impact is probably the one that people most think about, but also the economic impact that you're having on the place and then the social impact as well. So it's the whole idea is trying to like increase your positive impact while decreasing your negative impact. There's always going to be some negative impacts with anything we do travel or otherwise. Um, And, but we can always try to minimize those and then increase the positive impact. And I think a lot of people when they're thinking about, Uh, maybe being more mindful about their travel and their trips, they're like, well, you know, I only have a couple weeks vacation uh, here in the US. I don't know. You guys probably have more in the UK. (laughs) If you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's like, you know, you don't want it to feel like work when you're going on a trip. You want to just enjoy yourself. Like that's the whole point. So um, my whole thing is trying to make Uh, you know, uh, encourage people to make small changes and Mm. like realize that like it can be really fun and rewarding and actually a more rewarding way to travel when you're being more mindful because then you're getting that, I don't know, good feeling (laughs) that you're doing um, something good or having a better impact or 
whatever it is. And also it can lead to really interesting, different experiences, which I think is what a lot of people want to get out of travel. Mm, I think you're absolutely right. And the whole idea of, of having an interesting unique experience is is a really good one and something that strikes me there is is you know using an alternative to a plane particularly here in Europe we're very lucky for you for yourselves you've got far greater distances you might want to travel over in the US but for us in England certainly uh, you can travel to Central Europe in 10-12 hours on a train you know that's a day isn't it a day's traveling what is the difference in the impact I don't mean sort of specifically but but it does that make a massive impact you know one person on a pl- on a train or a bus in comparison to one person flying what sort of difference does that make it does make a difference yeah and that's a great example because i think that's that's probably the first if you i didn't really answer your question i guess of the where where should you start and i guess that's probably the the best place to start in this first play but place most people start is thinking about how they're going to get to the place, transportation. I think a lot of people are becoming more aware of how much impact flying has on the environment and trying to, especially in Europe with like the um, no flying movements and stuff like that. I think, like you said, it's easier in in Europe to get around uh, via train and stuff at us, not so much, unfortunately, which really frustrates me, but you can still do it. I mean, I took a train, um, a couple of weeks ago from here where I am in Buffalo to New York city, it was about eight hours. It was really nice, really affordable. Mm. And you don't even, uh, on those kind of distances, you're not even saving that much time by flying because you still got to get there super far. You got, you know, you got to get to the airport several hours in advance. You got to get to the airport. They're always like not that easy to get to, at least here in the US, like subways don't go there generally. So you got to get there and then you have the plane and then you got to get out and then you got to get from the airport to wherever you are. So it adds up. Yeah, totally. It's just an example. So like even just comparing that one trip I took recently, I would have only saved like maybe two hours by flying and it would have been so much more expensive. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah. One of the, one of the best ways I've been to Paris several times. And one of the best ways to arrive there is, is by the train. Cause you can go from London on the train. Um, and it arrives, I don't know if you've been, but it arrives directly in the city. You can just walk out the Garden Nord and you're right there. And, and I imagine it's the same traveling to New York, you know, wh- whether it's Grand Central or another station, it's, you know, JFK Airport's about an hour away, isn't it? On the So on- long, so far. <laughs> an hour if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a great point, too, because, yeah, you're already there. And when, I mean, train stations, because they go along rail lines that were built so much longer ago uh, before planes even existed. So they go right into the city center. You're right there. It's so much nicer to arrive. Um, it's just a better experience on the train. Uh, I love trains, if you can't tell. I think I got the sense you do as well. So um, it's, and that, again, it's it's that kind of like, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. As overused as that quote is, um, yes. it is kind of, it is true because as opposed to just like, oh, I got to get this flight over with, like, this is, no one, no one enjoys flying. Like, let's be real. Like, you know, it's, I mean, maybe you enjoy, I enjoy parts of it because yeah. I know I'm going somewhere new, but like the whole so much of it is just a hassle. And uh, so, but on a, on a train, it can be really interesting. You see the landscape, you see how it changes. You pass through different towns, mm. countryside. I've taken some long train trips um, 
in Europe as well. And it's, it's really interesting. You meet new people also on the train. I mean, you can on the plane, I guess, but I think it's just, you know, you can walk around on the train and go to the dining car, like different stuff like that. There's just a whole range of things that can happen on, on a train. And so, yeah, you asked about the impact, the difference uh, between planes, trains, anything else. Yeah. I mean, planes do have a big impact. I'm not like one of those, like never get on a plane again. I know that there's a lot of uh, sustainable travelers that feel that way, but um, being in the U S that would mean I could not visit so many places if I didn't. And I also want to just put out there that it would be great if everyone and this is what how I feel about sustainable travel in general is like we can make changes ourselves and they do make an impact, but also recognize that like um, you're one one person. And a lot of times the biggest impacts come from like the one percent, actually, like with flying um, that most of the impact comes with frequent travelers, like business travelers who are getting on a plane like several times a week that, that kind of thing. So I don't, I also want to say just as we're kind of starting this conversation, I don't want to make anyone feel bad or guilty or anything. Um, it's just kind of like about becoming more aware and making, making little changes where you can, like, um, instead of flying every time you take a vacation, maybe mix in some train trips here and there and then fly maybe once a year or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. As an example, if you were to take a trip from where you live to Europe or to South America, you might do the, you, you do that initial flight, obviously flying, cause it's a 5,000 mile journey. But then when you're there, you might think, oh, I'm not going to fly between these three countries. I'll do, I'll, I'll go buy another, buy another. Exactly. Meal. Exactly. Because a lot of, um, Americans at least, or people that are not from Europe that when they're visiting Europe, they're like, oh my gosh, I have to get it all in. Like I have to fly from this place to the other place. You're getting on a plane every three days. So um, it can be, I think that kind of trip also isn't as coming back to how rewarding it is. I don't think that's as rewarding because you're, you're only seeing like the capital cities for a generally for like a couple of days and you're not really getting as, as much of a feeling for the culture as a whole. I, I totally, totally understand that desire to um, try to fit everything in into a vacation. But I think a lot of people will, you'll just have a more rewarding trip. If say, say for example, you're flying from the U S to Europe, you pick a country, mm. you fly into the main city. And then, like you said, you go around from there and see like smaller cities. You see the countryside, you see, you just have a, a more, re- again, I keep saying rewarding. I should think of a better word, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> more fulfilling, I guess, experience. Yes, I know. I, I agree with that completely. And I like what you said there about seeing more than just the capital cities, you know, because when you are on the train, you might have a couple of hours to wait in some tiny little town out in the mountains or whatever. And that couple of hours is great fun. Like I've done trips where buses have had to change up in the Himalayas or in rural thailand or wherever and you you just wander about and see what people are doing and it's fantastic it's a real different way to see to see the sort of place that's around you what about the stuff that you take with you 
does that really make an impact? I know I've heard in our sort of community people talking about carry-on luggage, taking these ever smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller backpacks with them and some people taking like just the clothes that they stand up in, which I don't think I'm ever going to get that far. But does that really make a difference in your sort of more knowledgeable than mine opinion? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it's so, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people are like, oh, pack less. It's better for the environment. So it is marginally better. If everyone on that plane packed less, it would be, le- you know, it uses less fuel and it's less, um, yeah, it's less weight. So you have to use less fuel and all that. So I, that's what people are referencing. It makes some marginal difference. I mean, I don't know the statistics, yeah. but um, I also think it comes down to that, I always like to tie it back to like what what you get out of it also, because I think a lot of times we as as individuals, as people aren't going to make a change until we see why it's good for us. Like humans, like we just work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so packing, packing less will definitely be easier for you to carry around your luggage and to also just not have to sort sift through all your things every time you get to a different place. I mean, I'm definitely not one of those of wear the clothes on my back. I mean, I'm pretty minimal, but um, I like to have a few different key pieces with me or, you know, um, shoes. Not like I have like <laughs> my sandals and my, and, my, and my boots and that's it. You know, I wear my boots and I have my sandals in my bag and maybe some running shoes or something like that. But um, they, those add up in terms of space is, mm-hmm. is why I brought it up. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like one of those that I think people focus on a lot. And I think there's a lot of other things that would be better <laughs> focused on, in, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. So you don't think that's a bit of a red herring, really? That's a bit of a... It's... Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt to pack less. It doesn't hurt... If, if you're flying, it doesn't hurt in terms of how easy it is for you. But I think there's a lot of, it's, it's, I think it's brought up because it is such an easy thing to say. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's, it's just point blank. Like, you know, there's less weight, so there's less impact. Like, all right, done. When a a lot of the other issues that, uh, you know, are part of traveling more mindfully are so much more nuanced and it can be difficult to start that conversation or it can be overwhelming for people to even think about because it requires more than just like, all right, I'll just take five shirts out of my bag and call it a day. (laughs) I think you've made an interesting point there in that this is a very nuanced and complicated issue, isn't it? And there are really no shortcuts to doing this other than not traveling at all, which we don't want to do because we love it. And it's, it's, it supports so many people and it supports the beautiful neighborhoods and, and countries that we want to visit. Um, so let's sort of leave actual transport to one side and think about sort of the destinations. How do we, how can we travel more sort of mindfully or act more mindfully when we are in a specific destination, whether that might be a Caribbean Island or a, a country in in South America or Southeast Asia or wherever. How how can we sort of act in a different way to to benefit the people there and be more mindful of our impact on on their lives? Yeah, that's a great um, great question. And and there's a lot of ways. And this is it's this is definitely where it becomes more nuanced for sure because every place is different and every culture is different. And I mean, you want to be just aware of that and learning a bit. I think 
that's a essential part. I mean, you can't know how to be more mindful if you don't know what to be mindful about. So you kind of have to, that's again, why it's, I think it's great to stay longer in one country because then you get to learn the customs more. You get better at it. You can learn a few key phrases. Mm. I mean, we're not expecting anyone to become learn a second language for their third language or whatever for their vacation, but you can certainly learn, you know, at least how to ask someone if they speak English, you know, thank you. Hello, please. I mean, really basic stuff. And, you know, with the help of you know, translating apps. It's just, you can, that's, that's one thing that I think is a, is a must is to just learn some basics for politeness sake. And you'll find it goes a really long way. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing also just learning, learning the cultural norms where you're going so that, you know, you can make sure to, to abide by them, whatever, whatever it might be. And also, um, learning some of the history as well. History and culture is, I think, often very neglected when it comes to travel and tourism. Again, because people, a lot of people think history is like, that's for the dusty history books. Like it doesn't, I don't want to engage with that on my vacation. Again, I want it to be fun. I don't want it to feel like work. And I totally get that. But there's so many ways to learn about the history of a place, which informs what the place is like today. I mean, you can't divorce the history from what's whatever is currently going on in that place at all. Um, and you can, I mean, that's why I love things like walking tours mm. because you can learn about the history. You see the city, you get a local tour guide telling you about a place. You can ask them questions about whatever you're curious about. They love that. So that's a really, I always try to do a walking tour pretty much on the first day or two that I get into a place because it really, you know, they go through the main parts of whatever city that you're in. So then you can see what you might want to spend more time in later. And then you can also ask them questions about local, you know, more off the beaten path, kind of hidden gems uh, that you might want to see. So I think that's a really great way. Um, if you're, if you're not into like museums and stuff like that, which I personally am, I love museums, but I know a lot of people aren't necessarily. So there's like, just saying there's like a, a whole bunch of ways that you can really learn more about the place and, and, and do it in a fun way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I always recommend that to do that walking tour on the first day, because you do, don't you? I've done them before where I've done them on like the third or fourth day and we've gone to some amazing little place that I didn't even know was there. And I'm like, no, I'd love to come back here and sit in that coffee shop all day and just watch things happen. And it never did. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's really good advice. You did an episode on your podcast, which I found absolutely fascinating. And I'm not sure the term you used, but it was about um, it was about various organizations in destination countries that weren't based in that country. So essentially, whilst people like you and I would go to that country and think we're investing in the local infrastructure, actually, that money is taken out and, and gone to a multinational conglomerate um, that's, yeah. that's international, you know, that, that, that really doesn't doesn't help the local people at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um it was something I'd never heard of before. I was really interested in your impact in your oh, way you so, described it. I'm so glad. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So that was on um the concept you're talking about is is called tourism leakage. And I'm really glad you brought it up because it is super important to talk about and be aware of because so basically, yeah, it's what you said um, where say you're the traveler, the tourist, you're, you're spending a night in a hotel 
if it's like a, um, say it's a Marriott or something, it's international, like hotel that you could go to in like so many different countries. Um, and so the money that you're spending at that hotel, m- the majority of it, or most of it, the percentages kind of vary depending, but, um, it's not going to actually stay in the place. It's going to go to like Marriott international, like company and wherever all of the higher ups, wherever they are and wherever the corporation is based. And, you know, of of course you might have some locals working there, but they're not going to be paid that great comparatively speaking to where the majority of the money goes. So that's one example um, of that happening. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot, mainly it happens everywhere, but uh, mainly in like Southeast Asia, the Caribbean, uh, places places like that where the locals don't have enough um, money to get together to create their own hotel, for example, or their own resort or their own whatever it is. So it's very easy for these big companies to come in, purchase a bunch of land for very cheap for by their standards. They put up a hotel and then they are taking all the profits. And um, so... This this happens, like I said, a lot in in the Caribbean and in Southeast Asia. It's pretty much like with with um, resorts. I know I know a lot of people love resorts, um, and, and there certainly are like sustainable, more locally owned resorts. But a lot of them, like the big ones, are really bad for this because they kind of like block off this whole little area. They even like privatize the beach so the locals don't have access to the beach and um, they take up a lot of like resources in these resorts because the people coming to them are uh, used to say, for example, like a resort in the Dominican Republic, like people, Americans, for example, or Westerners that are going there are used to having like electricity all day and like water, like running water. Whereas a lot of the locals, they don't have access to those things. So it's just kind of like, and it's not, it's not the tourists fault. So I'm not trying to like say that it is, Um, but it's just something to be aware of because like you said, like a lot of people aren't aware of this at all. Like when I was, when I became aware of this, um, and I was looking into more about it, there's really not a lot on this Mm -hmm. at all because it's not a very sexy topic. (laughs) It's not something that people want to think about when they're thinking about their, um, travel, but, um, luckily there are, and one big thing that I should mention about being more mindful is just like always go local, like wherever you can, like local restaurant, local hotel, local resort, like anything that's locally owned is you're going to be, the the money is just going to be going into locals who spend their money on local things, as opposed to like, if your money is going to a big company, like they're, they're just not, that's not what they're spending their money on. So, yeah. It is a really difficult one to, to, to work though, isn't it? Because I do think there's there certainly is a, a, a market for those resorts and I've been to a few of them and they've been great. I've had a really nice time, you know, um, but you and you, you're not aware that that issue is going on while, whilst you're there. But what I will say is in all of those trips I've had to, to resorts like that and any any trip I've had by that by that example, some of the best things, some of the best experiences of that trip were when I left that resort <laughs> and went down to the local market and ate the most beautiful fish I've ever had sat on a plastic table outside a shack that someone had 
cook that they just bought in for about two US dollars. Or when I went to a street party on this particular Caribbean island with all the locals and got chatting to them all and had shared beers and rum punch and whatever. So the way I would put that, Sam, is, is that, yes, you know, if, if, if that's your thing, great. Of course, you deserve that. You work hard, whatever. But do take a couple of days out of that out of your time in that place and go and explore sort of the island to perhaps or the local area to perhaps sort of spread your your wealth and your money and your your holiday experience spread it out a little bit more i suppose <laughs> yeah and the good thing is like a lot more um there's a there there are more like locally owned smaller business kind of resorts and stuff that are popping up because they see uh, than demand for this kind of thing. And as locals are able to get more money together or resources mm -hmm. or even, I mean, even a lot of times they might be expat owned, but they're now locals, but they have more money to to put into these things. I mean, even that is is better, in my opinion, than a big, huge company, corporation kind of thing. Um, so a lot, there there are, I think we'll see a lot more kind of locally owned resorts and stuff like that popping up because yeah i mean i totally get it like you don't want to they're all inclusive you don't have to worry about anything like you just go and enjoy yourself so that's that's why i say like a lot of it is what we can do as an individual you know like you said take a few days and travel around like spend it in the city or whatever the countryside and do more um things that are integrated with the the community but also the alternative needs to exist. So we need more people that are creating those more, yeah, more sustainably and locally owned resorts. So that's something that I'm interested to kind of learn more about and, and explore so I can share it with people as well. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Do you think that um, sort of the democratization of this through things like Airbnb and other hotel-based, accommodation-based um, sort of middlemen will help that situation because you could you could buy a building somewhere, put it on Airbnb, and you could be in connection with your with your market straight away, couldn't you? Whereas ten years ago, you'd get a glossy magazine. Well, maybe not ten years ago, but some time ago, you'd get a glossy magazine, wouldn't you, from the travel agent, and you'd look through and if you and you'd circle a place and you'd go and stay there. It it seems that way we book holidays and trips is changing and perhaps that's good for the the sort of enterprises you've mentioned. Yeah, it's it's definitely changing. Airbnb is another tricky one though. Oh, unfortunately. Really? I I'm not going to make many friends talking about this here, but uh uh yeah, because I mean and I did an episode on on this one as well for anyone that's interested in a whole deep dive on Airbnb, but yes, um, but uh it's like you said, people can buy up a whole building and often it's not local. Like usually it's not locals that are buying up the whole building. It's these real estate, like just conglomerates, basically. They don't, um, they don't live in the place. They don't have any connection to a place. They just see like Airbnb as like a money-making venture. And it basically, I've seen it happen in, in Madrid, Spain. I lived in Madrid for three years and some of the neighborhoods were basically like all Airbnbs. Like there's a couple of neighborhoods that basically like just Airbnbs have been bought out. It's get, got really hard for locals to even find a place because everything was an Airbnb. Um, and like a friend, and it's not just the full apartments either. 
a friend of mine was literally kicked out of his room because his landlord was like, I'm turning your room into an Airbnb. Like, bye. Like, you got to leave. So he had to stay with us uh, while he tried to find a new place, which is much further away uh, from where he you know, wanted to be and stuff like that. So Airbnb is tricky because on the one hand, yeah, you could be a local and you could just rent out your room and to help you make rent or you just like having travelers. I mean, or like I had an experience in with Airbnb a bunch of years ago, actually now in Berlin, but the guy was just doing a bike tour, like a trip, bike trip for a week. And he was like, yeah, I just want to get my rent back for this week that I'm not going to be here. So he put on Airbnb, which I feel like is what Airbnb used to be. Mm. And it was a great experience. Like it was so cheap because he was just trying to get back his rent. And there was five roommates. We became friends with some of them. So that was a really nice experience. So I'm not trying to be like, that doesn't happen on Airbnb or Airbnb is all bad. But in a lot of European cities, especially where these there's these small historic centers uh, and a limited amount of housing that is not going to get any more because the buildings are already built. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does have an impact on things like gentrification and just uh, housing costs and the inability to find a place to stay because so many places are on Airbnb that there's not as many apartments for locals. And in, in Madrid, like I still know a lot of people there. And when the pandemic happened, so many Airbnbs that um, used to be Airbnbs anyway, they got put back on the local housing market. And I knew people that were able to get apartments that they could afford in the neighborhood where they like, wanted to be. And it was kind of this shift, like going backwards and the housing market actually dropped like in a good way to like people rents had fallen. And so people were able to get places again. So that's my, that's my no. long winded thing about Airbnb, but it's just something to be mindful of. I don't think you can never use it again, but I think just being aware that in places where housing shortages are already an issue, it kind of just like adds to that. Mm. That's a really good point, actually. And I, I think that's sort of the dark side of it. Um, I love going to Airbnbs when it is someone's house as you've as you've described and i love it when and you can tell that in the photos actually because if i always think if you see books on the shelf or or like homely things around you know if you see you you can tell a house that isn't lived in from the photos it's very neat very clean there's nothing around the place but if it looks a bit cluttered and a bit lived in i'm like right that's the one i want you know because it's clearly like quite often in my experience there are people who have who are a couple and and they they have kept one house but they've kept both houses and rent one out occasionally and go and stay with each other or go away for the weekend or whatever um and those sorts of places yeah as you've said give give the best sort of travel experience do you think because yeah. i've i've questioned this this idea before um do you think sort of traveling off peak times so off, off season or at other other times in the year when it when it's less busy is is that something that can be helpful or 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 useful in 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 a sustainable sense yes absolutely i'm glad you brought that up because definitely definitely a big one um and it's better all around because on the one hand i mean so so you're say you travel in the shoulder seasons or the off seasons um there's going to be, first of all, there's going to be way less people, which will be better for you unless you enjoy crowds for mm. some reason. I don't think that's most people, but, um, you know, it's, it'll be better for you. 
uh, things will be a little cheaper probably on the off season or shoulder seasons. And also you're kind of like spreading around the tourism money basically, as opposed to like a lot of places that have like a real high season and then a real low season. Like it's people like there'll be seasonal jobs because tourists are only there at one, at one time of the year. But if people, you know, start traveling more in off seasons or shoulder seasons, you know, then you can be adding to that economy throughout the year in a good way. So, so that's a really good one. And I've, I've seen it myself. I mean, um, in Dubrovnik in Croatia, for example, like I, I was on like a long talking about trains. I had done a long train trip through the Balkans. And then I was going, um, from Dubrovnik back to Madrid where I was living and I hadn't planned to stay there many days because I had heard that it's really crowded. And I just was like, oh, if, I don't know how this is going to be. But it was uh, end of March. And I was literally one of two people in my hostel. There was like no one else there. I had a really long conversation with the hostel like desk person. Like we we actually talked about like sustainable tourism and all this kind of stuff. I got his opinion as a local on things. And I had interactions like I was just eating in, in a cafe outside and a local um, old local man like started talking to me and he told me all about his story. He used to like live in New York and all this kind of stuff like those kind of interactions that you want to have when you're traveling. And they happened in Dubrovnik. And I was shocked because I, I just thought it was going to be super crazy crowded. Um, and but so the off season made such a difference and it was still super lovely weather. Like the temperature was still great. Like everything was great. So that's why I'm a super big advocate of, of, um, off season and shoulder seasons, especially if you want to go to places that have a real high tourist season. Um, it's a great option. Yeah. I mean, I think anywhere in Europe in, in, in August is pretty much crazy, isn't it? You know, (laughs) Um, and I'm sure it's the same in other places. Although that said, if you're traveling to the Caribbean or or a lot of Asia in August, that's sort of their rainy, rainy, monsoony, monsoony sort of season, isn't it? So it's a bit grayer. It's not quite as hot, but that's lovely. And it's more dramatic and it's exciting. And yeah, those sorts of things I really like. And again, they make very unique and interesting travel experiences. So that's one of those ones, Sam, where where, as you say, it impacts both, doesn't it? You get a better time. And it's better for the for the place that you that you sort of would be visiting as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I know, and I know it's hard though because a lot of people don't necessarily get to maybe choose when they have their vacation time. Like, say, if you're a teacher, like you kind of have those designated times. You don't have so much around it. Um, but but yeah, you can always try to work more of that in in whatever ways that you can, and it'll be so so rewarding for you as well. Mm, absolutely sam i've loved this conversation it's been really inspiring to think about all the all the different ways you can you can sort of travel sustainably and think about more mindfully about the places that you that you sort of go to if you had to if you had to sort of summarize with one thing one top tip one thing to consider for for someone who's listened to this and 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 you know, and perhaps it's taken on board what, we, what we've what we said, but we've said a lot, haven't we? If there's one thing to consider above everything else that would be, that would be helpful to um, the, ple- the, the, the people who live in the place you're going, you know, the environment, the, the, the economic situations of, of places across the world, 
what would that be do you think I know that's a bit of a difficult question and I've thrown you in it but (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is that is difficult that is difficult but I do think it comes back to going always going local, like in every aspect, like eat in the local restaurants, because they're, if you eat in a locally owned restaurant, then it, it has even more of effect of like, they are going to a lot of times get locally grown, like produce or locally, like they'll, they're going to be more involved in the community and maybe have different local initiatives with whatever it is. I don't know, but like I've seen a whole variety of stuff. So even something from a locally grown restaurant to local try to go to a little local b&b or hotel if you're going to use if you're using airbnb like like you said check the photos message the person before you book don't just go for the ones that are like they look like stock photos kind of thing like they're just crazy professional like i mean i'm not saying you have to stay in a place that you don't feel comfortable in obviously but like you know you can kind of distinguish like you said and so everything just everything if you could just go local even when you're getting souvenirs, like get some souvenirs from a local artisan. Like I loved, I don't love to like buy a bunch of stuff, but what I do love to do is um, I get locally made earrings, a pair from everywhere that I go. So then when I wear them, it's like a nice little conversation piece. That's the only jewelry I wear. And so it's just a nice thing to remember. So something even little like that, just to like search out different artisan markets or whatever it is. I guess local, go local is my uh, ending ending thought. I absolutely love it. What great advice. Sam, where can people find you and all your podcasts, your multiple podcasts, your <laughs> one up on me um, and everything else that you do online? Where's the best place to go? Um, yeah, well, alternativetravelers.com is kind of the hub for everything. And I'm most active on Instagram at alternative travelers. If people want to connect over there, also, there's Facebook. And yeah, you can find the Alternative Travelers podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can, all of these things that we talked about today, we've done episodes on so many of them. And now I have ideas for so many more. So they'll be coming at you. And yeah, that's really the best place. AlternativeTravelers.com. You can find everything. Sam, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed having that conversation and found Sam such an inspiring person to talk to on the topic. She's obviously very knowledgeable, very passionate and very experienced at travelling and and travelling in a slightly different way. And one thing that I'm sort of taking away from that and one thing that I'm, I'm really thinking about when it comes to that is the idea that travelling more mindfully, travelling more sustainably could actually or would actually produce a more interesting travel experience. That's a bit of a game changer, isn't it? Because quite often in this sort of discussion about um, about environmental issues, you know, about sustainable issues, they all come down to ultimately you're doing something, because, but it's going to be more difficult. You know, you give up, you eat in a certain way, whatever that might be, veganism, vegetarianism, whatever. It's going to be more difficult for you because you've got to select your food more carefully. Okay, you get rid of your car. It's going to be more difficult because you've got to wait for the bus or the train. All right. And that's and that's fair enough. And some people choose to do that and some people don't. And that's a bigger issue. But the idea here that you could travel more sustainably and have a better, more interesting time, I think is an absolute game changer. You know, going to somewhere off season 
when you're the only person there or you're one of fewer people there. Cheaper hotels. I've done a whole episode on this. Um, I can't remember the number, but if you look back on the feed, you'll see it. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a cheaper hotel. You'll, you'll get a more of an intimate experience of that place. You'll get cheaper flights or, or cheaper transport. The idea of slowing down a little bit and perhaps going to see one country as opposed to three and going to see a couple of smaller cities and towns there, meet some more, some different people from, from different places. Yeah, some absolutely fascinating ideas that I'm really, really inspired by. And it's a mindset that I think I could definitely, definitely benefit from. Now, I'm, I'm absolutely loving these sorts of conversations because this is the sort of voices, the range of the sort of voices and topics and issues that I would love to feature on this podcast. We're not just talking about destinations, although that's a part of it. We're talking about travel styles. We're talking about travel issues. We're talking about all things relating to travel, all of the things that you would think about when you're considering what your next adventure is going to be. Now, I would love to host you on the Travel Now podcast too. Unlike Sam, um, you don't need to have a podcast yourself. You don't need to be a blogger. You don't need to have any particular issue that you're passionate about. You just have to have gone to a cool place and want to talk about it. So yeah, that would be great. Uh, Reach out and let's have a conversation. Hello at Luke Richardson author. That's my email address. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I would massively appreciate your rating, reviewing or sharing it wherever you can do that. I know iTunes is one of them. Um, I don't think Spotify allow you to, but other places do as well. Rate and review. Sharing, of course, you can do that everywhere. If you know someone who's into travel and would enjoy listening to the conversations that I'm having, send it over to them. Let them know because that will really help us spread the word. Spread the travel vibe to someone who may be inspired with it. You'd be helping me and you'd be helping that other person as well. So thank you so much for listening to the Travel Now podcast. You can connect with me via email, hello at lukerichardsonauthor.com or on Instagram at lukericha, L-U-K-E-R-I-C-H-A-A. We're also on Facebook now too, facebook.com forward slash the Travel Now podcast. And for information about me, my writing and travels, and to get a free copy of Kotal, one of my books, you can go to my website, lukerichardsonauthor.com and for all other episodes it's the travelnowpodcast.com Bucket List sponsor this podcast. Make your bucket list come to life and turn it into a bucket list at bucketlist.co. Then when you're ready, you can actually book that trip with great discounts. That's the important thing. I'll be doing a future show on my personal bucket list and I'd love to hear what's on yours. Thanks again. And I cannot wait to share the next episode of the Travel Now podcast with you soon. Safe travels. <laughs>